What, which, this, that, or the other? From Bonnaroo to Coachella, traversing the music festival landscape can be tricky. That's where we come in with high fives for everyone. The What Podcast with Brad, Barry, Lord Taco, dedicated to exploring the entire festival scene. Brad has worked in the radio industry for more than 20 years and currently lives in Brooklyn, where he is program director for three stations, including one in New York, one in Detroit, and one in Miami. Barry's been a reporter for the Chattanooga Times Free Press, covering all aspects of the entertainment industry since 1987. That's before you were born. Lord Taco, the smart guy who makes these podcasts on our website at thewhatpodcast.com work. Also really good at identifying babies, loves blue-haired moms, PBR, and his beautiful Volkswagen bus. We all fell in love with the Bonnaroo Festival years ago, not only because of the amazing bands that play there every year, but also because of the incredible community spirit that has developed around it. Radiate positivity. And we really like talking about the inside baseball stuff when it comes to putting on a huge music festival. So join us. You can hear the What Podcast on the Consequence Podcast Network or anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Consequence Podcast Network. It's amazing that a casual conversation with a friend can lead to waxing poetic about Bonnaroo. That's exactly what happened with Jack Antonoff from Bleachers, Fun, Taylor Swift albums, etc. Earlier this week with me, we talked to Jack Antonoff about his Super Jam and dive deep into all things Spotify, Joe Rogan, Neil Young, and more. It's the What Podcast. Which bands this year that matter? Lord Taco, Barry Quarter, Brad Steiner, <laughs> brother. It starts right now. Splendid day to you. Welcome in to the What Podcast, which bands this year that matter. A uh, tour around festival life. Barry Quarter, Lord Taco, I'm Brad. Uh, hi, guys. How's everyone doing? Hey. I'm great. You know, I uh, don't want to interrupt, but boy, look at that good looking shirt on Lord Taco today. You see that? Well, that Man, cool. I thought you were talking. Okay. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> look at Taco. Time. You know, 
the amount of vanity between me and Barry is it's a little astronomical. Much. It's a little much. It? it is a little much. But I'm ha- I am having a good hair day. Oh, is that right? Good for you. I started to call you on uh, Thursday because I to was tell me about a good am- hair day. I was having an amazing hair day. Barry, this is okay, Dad. I was going to call. Literally, I thought I, I need to call Brad. I know, but Dad, you know, normally what people would do in the 21st century is take a picture of it and then text it to someone. Calling them is not going to do anything. Yeah, but then I don't get the satisfaction. (laughs) I want the reaction. I need the live, Uh you know. You could just FaceTime me. If you want to FaceTime me your hair well, that's every the same day, calling, isn't it? I mean, that's not the same as calling. No, one is a visual element. The other is audio. All right. Next time I'll know okay. when I'm having that kind of a hair day, uh-huh. I still have that Boris Johnson thing going on right here. <laughs> I'm going to get that fixed. <laughs> this has turned into queer eye for the straight guy, man. This is <laughs> a hair care product show. Taco, how's your cut doing? Uh, it's it's it needs some work. It's okay, little, good. It's a little messy from camping this weekend. Yeah, why were yeah. you camping? Why in the world would you camp in twenty five degree weather? What are you doing? Why to not? It's beautiful. They have waterfall and and trees, and it was great. You know, they don't cold. have heat. Yeah, I brought my own. We made a fire. I brought a propane heater. We, well, but we with a fire warm. though, with a fire, how can you ever breathe the next day? I, I never can breathe well the next day um why because all the smoke yeah yeah well they say smoke follows beauty so <laughs> maybe I, that's i did wonder it was cold beautiful. so you were camping in the in the bus mm-hmm. that's right oh, nice good for you wow that's not really camping though is it it's just parking you literally just drive up and park what how is that not camping okay <laughs> <laughs> i'm still in a tent yeah, I think uh, you're not in a on, tent. You're in a car. Yeah, yeah. It's on top of the bus. The tent's on top. I, I guess. <laughs> you know, I again, it's it's part of the world where I just I can't I can't do it. I mean, you camp outside of Bonnaroo, and that is very strange to me. Yeah, the you only time to Brad, around. the mm-hmm. only camping Brad does, and me is Bonnaroo, right? Well, yeah, the you, only time you, you leave your it. house is Bonnaroo. Barry, you well, came to the mini room. That's true. I had a good time. And, Did and you I camp, left Barry? You didn't leave? Or did you sleep in the car? He slept in the car. That's a, that, yeah, technically, I, I slept know. in my driver's seat in my truck. And you when the camp. sun came up, I was gone. You did I not camp. camp. He, he, he didn't did even take camp. his seatbelt off. <laughs> That's true. That is That's the true. ultimate bad move. I got to be yeah. safe. Yeah. yeah. Get her ticket. That's he drove true. in. Rolled down the window, said hi, passed out. That's well, no, I didn't. I did more than say hi. I remember because I, <laughs> I, I rolled in there with you and Mitchell. That's uh, right. Till five in the morning. Ooh, that was a long night. That was just sitting in the car. You know, yeah. was, you're like Brian Stone at Bonnaroo, just sitting there listening to the shins in his car. <laughs> <laughs> no, I tell you what, it was, that was a bad decision driving home because I woke up and thought I'm going home, and I was about an hour down the road and i thought i'm i'm still at the party this was not a good decision <laughs> well the party was in your car so it just yeah. continued down the road yeah i hope i make it home <laughs> yeah um actually i was going to start this it's a quick show today because um uh i've got a couple of things i want to bring up but the main thing is i had this really interesting conversation with jack antonoff uh from bleachers 
And it was supposed to be an interview for the radio station, but it started as um, just a just a chit chat about Bonnaroo. And he waxed poetic about Bonnaroo in a way that I've not really heard an artist do in one of these just radio interviews. I mean, he's got a new album. He's coming to town. And, and that's what really the focus of the chat was going to be about. But He just started in on Bonnaroo and half of our conversation was gone, you know, so I want to play that because it was so it was so interesting. But I've got assurances that he will be coming back to do a long form chat with us about the Super Jam and um, some other things. One thing in particular is really interesting about this uh, chat that I didn't even know about. He played Bonnaroo before he was in fun. So when he went to Bonnaroo with fun and whatever year that was, Barry, 2007, eight, I can't remember. But that was not the first time Jack Antonoff performed at Bonnaroo. He'll tell you what band he was in uh, during that chat later on this afternoon. I'm excited to hear it. I'm excited to hear that. I'm excited to see what he's going to do. Well, uh, we he talked he, about that. He, he brings uh, it up. Yeah, he yeah, brings up yeah. what he's going to be mean, doing. Um, I think. That I think we talked about it, right? That's going to be one of the more exciting things about this year, whatever it is he has in mind, because I, I think it's going to be um, pretty epic. Well, it brings up the, the obvious question. Is there a super jam that you remember more than any? Oh, for me, it's easy. Which yeah, one? It's the, the Billy, Idol, uh, Billy Idol and uh, Graham, uh, Larry Graham, mm-hmm. uh, John Oates. That was mm-hmm. that was the best one. There was yeah. no question for me. That was was that the the John the John Oates. Wait, yep. was it Daryl Hall or John Oates? I know I always have to do the same thing. I, wait, I, I think it was Daryl Hall that did it. No, it's John Oates. Was it really? Yeah, it was John Oates and I'll uh, be Brittany. honest with you. If if they both walked in the room, I wouldn't know which. I know, and I it's Daryl Hall, Daryl Oates. You know, I'm the same. But no, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but okay. that was Brittany. Um, yeah, that was the Britney year. That's right. And we that was the Billy. only one. I think that's the only one I have sat through the whole way. Yeah, we were. I mean, it was great. It was amazing. We were all all of Camp Nut Butter was there. But was there a I theme remember. for it? Was there a theme? Yeah. No, but if you remember, we saw Billy Idol. Uh, yeah. Which was great. And basically walked across the road there. And then that started. And uh, he came over and, and joined. Yeah. That was my favorite. And that to me is the one that's what I compare them all to. That's what I think they all should be like. That's what I think. Well, explain what, like. what it should be. Uh, like super jams are somebody curates it. They, they basically the, whoever they uh, put somebody in charge. In this case, it was John Oates. And they say, all right, go get whoever you want. Uh, you know, who's going to be there. And they curate, you know, a set 90 minutes. And in this case, Larry Graham, who was Larry Graham, basically invented the slap bass that we all know, the the funk, um, funkadelic um, sound. So, I mean, it was just amazing. All of the people that were up there and then the songs were great. Um, It's it's just what it sounds like. It's a super jam. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, whoever's on the farm come play, but they, they plan it ahead of time. It's not just show up. So okay. it's, it's curated. Okay. So the problem is, is that most of the super jams are not ever very good because they're always so messy. There's, there's just, there's shit happening all over the place. I just generally don't 
enjoy them for some reason. Yes. I, I, and I, I guess I don't really know why. I know. And that you're not the first to say that everyone that that is gone for many years says that like Grizz did one that I thought was just monumentally boring and they become year after year. They've become just a walk by for me until unless it's somebody that I really, really want to see. Now I will say the only year that I can probably, I don't know, maybe not where we check in to get our credentials at Bonnaroo. There is a um, big ballroom right next door to it. And that's where they practice the super jam. Right. So it's a little odd to like see the guys walking in and out of the door and hear what's happening on the other side, you know, at literally hours before they play it. You um, know what it is? It's become like it's become like a vanity thing for them. It's become more about them hmm. than the audience. I think. Hmm. And that one was not. That was about having fun because. What was, about the suit? What about how about the, the bluegrass ones that Ed Helms always put together? Yeah, those are always great. If you like bluegrass and I don't. So, yeah, okay. but I mean, those were always, uh, right. I mean, those were always well-received. Yeah. People usually of. like them a lot and it's surprising. Yeah. It's Ed Helms. He's so, so good. Right. Um, right. I'm trying to think of who else put together a really good super jam in the I past. The, wasn't it, uh, John Paul Jones from Led Zeppelin and, um, Stuart Copeland from the police. That was the one I heard. That was, I mean, that's way back. I know. Way, way back. And I missed that one uh, because I didn't, you know, I didn't know what they were going to be. But there was a, there was was the only other one I ever heard of that was so epic. Well, there was one that Jack Antonoff was with before, and it was that dance party one where they had like Reggie Watts came out and did something. Chance was out. Chance is there every year, by the way. I mean, most years you go back in the Super Jam history and Chance a rapper is part of, you know, a Super Jam, at least because he's the mayor of Bonnaroo. You had Run DMC was there. Pretty Lights did it. Um, and it was just a big dance party and it did dance song after dance song. But other than that, I can't really remember I'm the Jim uh, James when Elvis one, Costello, right? when, when Elvis Costello was there. there was, was, I think that's the same. Of- that was the Billy Idol year. No, no, that was. No, that was at okay. eight. Uh, oh, all right. Elvis, because Kelly, my wife, came up for that one. That was the uh, Springsteen year. Uh, oh, that's right. Eight or nine. Um, but no, that's it's an interesting question. I, it, it sounds how about like the it, year. How about the year where where Jim James was doing it and R. Kelly came out and sang Sam Cooke? <laughs> That's what I mean. A sentence I was not expecting to say in 2022. Remember when R. Kelly sang Sam Cooke at Bonnaroo? Um, It really (laughs) takes a different, you know, I totally forgot about that. By the way, I'm I know I know what I'm going to hear. But that R. Kelly show is actually pretty damn good. (laughs) He released the doves, the white. It was really, really well done. And he was keeping the songs. It was hit after hit, but he was keeping those songs at about a minute 45 apiece and just barreling through all of those hits. It was, uh, it was kind of pretty fun to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm excited to hear your interview. I'm excited to hear what he's going to do. I hope we get him later. Um, yeah, we, we will. Um, um, it's going to be a lot of fun. And the, the back to the super champions. The only other one that I can remember is the Skrillex one. And if you gave me 
a thousand dollars, I couldn't put one person in that super jam. I I don't know the first person that was in it. That's what I'm saying. It went, yeah. <laughs> it went from the that Billy the John Oates one to man, this was maybe one of my favorite shows. You know, top ten anyway. To being what totally happened to the super jam? <laughs> well, I mean, he he explains what his uh, mission is, and it's I mean it's not hard to figure out, but um, he at least says it outright uh, what his theme is for. Super Jam 2022. The other thing I wanted to get to before I get to the Spotify stuff, Rolling Stone bought a festival, the the magazine Rolling Stone, now becoming the second publication to get into the music festival business. You know, Pitchfork has the Pitchfork Music Festival, and now Rolling Stone has their own, and they bought Life is Beautiful. Um, uh, you know... Uh, any entity that's running one of these, that's not the, you know, the two conglomerates, I feel is a, is a, is a welcomed addition to the, to the club. But uh, how about that? Rolling Stone uh, entering into the uh, music festival world, Barry. I, I, I got Time nothing. Press next. Yeah, we're next. <laughs> yeah. Uh, when when are we buying a festival? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, brought to you by. Yeah. If we did them. have our own music festival, let's be honest. Our only headliners would be repeat, repeat. <laughs> repeat repeat we all we got. I, I already know what the the uh corporate sponsor is yeah we got pbr we got pbr, we got PBR. they like it or not whether they pay yeah. us money or not mm-hmm. they're gonna be our sponsor. Yeah, it's all you're drinking <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i mean if we did a music festival with our if we did our own music festival it would be like repeat repeat cautious clay um duran jones wow. and we've got a pretty good music festival with the the guests that have been on the show we could uh, put Warren together Treaty. a pretty good lineup here. Warren Treaty, uh, Gilfillian, I mean, Devin, you know, I think Krungbin, uh, Sylvan Esso. Yeah. Yeah. Briston. We could put together a pretty good lineup. I would, I, I would be proud of it. I'm trying to think about uh, the other artists that we've had on the show, and I can't think of any of them. Well, you, uh, you I know, can't think of another you're, one. <laughs> you're, 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 Guy from uh, oh, St. Paul, Radiohead, St. Paul. We oh, got, yeah, we got have EOB. Yeah, would yeah, Radiohead EOB. be would that count as Radiohead or do I just get we EOB? Got Paul Jan away. We, yeah, we could, I think we could put together a pretty good lineup. That's not bad. I mean, the somebody create that poster for us, take all the guests <laughs> that we have and turn yeah, it into a, a festival poster. I mean, I'm too lazy to do it, but if you do it, I, it would be very exciting for us. I Someone will got do a, it. I think you got a challenge there, Taco. You're the, you're the graphic guy. Put together a, a list of uh, guests that we've had on the show, like a like as a poster, like a, as a poster. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like it. Yeah, okay. Um, so, do you have any take on this Spotify stuff that's uh, happening with Joe Rogan and Neil Young? Which, by the way, this is—I'm not an old man. I'm only forty, but but you're going to say I that have, I am. I have kids that work for me, and they literally said out loud. Who's Neil Young? <laughs> and I said, what? You do this for a living. And then my night kid asked me, how do you say this um, new guitar player for Red Hot Chili Peppers name? Um, how do you say who? Frusianti? Who's John Frusianti? Who? Oh. Barry. <laughs> my God. Wait. My God. I've got no words. Who is Neil Young? This is. Okay. This I is why define... it hurts my heart when you make fun of me for, you know, the things I say that you've well, never the heard you of. say are ridiculous. Like it's all Jimmy or whatever the hell you're saying is <laughs> everything's <know>. Jake. <laughs> everything's Jake. That is come on. Bob's your uncle. 
<laughs> hooting and hollering. Hooting and a hollering. <laughs> yeah, uncle. Welcome to my world. Sense. So yeah, the, who the, is Neil Young? It was Neil Young. Yeah, I, had no I heard. Uh, I heard. I heard a very good friend of ours say he only knows one Joni Mitchell song was um, Woodstock. The you know the one that Crosby, Stills, and Nash did uh, that she wrote because she wasn't even there. I thought he was going to say "Case of You" because James Blake had a really good run with that song um, when he covered it. You know, I mean, to your question, I'd, first of all, it's completely within Neil Young's personality. I mean, this is exactly what he's been doing since he came on the scene. Uh, so that, that shouldn't surprise anyone. You know, it's not about censorship. It's about quit putting false information out there. So, I mean, I, I get it. It matters that they're taking a stand. What does it change? I don't know. I am not a Joe Rogan fan. Honestly, I can't quite wrap my head around the fact that the the guy that nobody imagined would amount to anything off of news radio has become the biggest star from news radio. You right. know, he was just the guy like fixing the air conditioning unit on news radio while, you know, Phil Hartman and, you know, Andy Dick are just whizzing by him. You know, these are the stars. And all of a sudden, Joe Rogan's the billionaire. Um, I'm still having a hard time with that. But jo John Stewart says something to the effect, and I'll just read it to you guys. Don't leave. Don't abandon. Don't censor. Engage. I'm not saying it's always going to work out fruitfully, but I'm always of the mindset that engagement, and especially with someone like Joe Rogan, who is not, in my mind, an ideologue in any way, I think it's all so overblown, the rhetoric about him. You're a musician, like how much misinformation is spread by Eric Clapton, who is a fucking psycho. <laughs> John Stewart's got it. If you have a problem with it, we got to stop yeah, running it, away from each other. We got to stop fighting each other. Have a conversation. Hit stop. I, and like I said, this is not new for Neil. I mean, Neil is the guy that, you know, was asked to be joined Crosby, Stills and Nash. And uh, it was going great. And he just literally woke up one morning and left. He left. He said, I, I'm not, I don't want to do this anymore and left, left them all hanging. He's not. I mean, I don't know how you describe him. He's as a Crosby, Stills, Nash aficionado like yourself, Barry. Were they better with him or without him? Because I, I have no frame of reference or, or opinion about this. Oh, that's a good question. Uh, they did some great stuff with him. They did some terrific stuff without him. They didn't need that attitude. I mean, he did um, the stuff that they did as a foursome was terrific. Those are three of the greatest voices in rock and roll. So, I mean, they could go without him, mm -hmm. but he had such an attitude. You know, I mean, like I said, this is not new. It, it I don't that's such a great. I think you're right. I think John Stewart hit it. I also hit stop on all of this for a second because I've I don't listen to the Joe Rogan podcast, but I sure as hell know the reputation the Joe Rogan podcast has. And I know somebody and so does Lord Taco. No, we know somebody who listens to this podcast religiously and the nonsense that comes out of his mouth when it comes to vaccines, when it comes to workout regimens, when it comes to diets makes no sense. I mean, it is batshit crazy. The stuff that he has parroted to us based on the things that he has heard from the Joe Rogan podcast. So that in and of itself is sort of damning, in my opinion. But I just have no opinion about Joe Rogan because right. I've never listened to the show. Me either. Yeah. <laughs> so what if, if you were let me ask it this way, if you were Neil or any artist, what would you do? What would you do? Well, I'm inherently lazy. 
So I wouldn't do anything. <laughs> I would do literally nothing. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's I, mean, I, literally, I have, I have, I know I have a, I have a way of life. It's like, I really don't care. I mean, are we going to take a stand? I, don't put, don't put the what podcast on Spotify. Cause of Joe Rogan. No, we don't, we don't care about a platform. We just want people to listen, whether it's on Spotify, Apple music. And frankly, I don't even really want that. <laughs> you don't want people to listen. Not really. Just Who wants to hear awkward. about us talking about our hair? Yeah. <laughs> Just makes it awkward. I, I've heard a lot people say, if you listen to a show like that or any show and you don't understand that it's pure entertainment, then I don't know what to do with you. Or put another way, everybody knows it's just entertainment. So when somebody goes on Joe Rogan and says the entire country was hypnotized and that's why they got vaccinated, we're, which happened. Somebody really say that? Yeah. Yeah. That it was, it was, we were all hypnotized that the entire country is also supposed to then realize that guy's just saying that for entertainment and don't take it seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, where does, where's the line? Are we supposed to believe that or are we supposed to? Barry, I don't live in this world where I count on guys like Joe Rogan to educate me on anything. That's the point. And that's the point. Their point is if you believe stuff like that, you know, I feel sorry for you. Bless your heart, as Bless we like it. to say. Bless I, I, your heart. Uh, look, you I, believe I do that. Well, I'm not under I'm not under some sort of like fairy tale that nobody is listening to the Joe Rogan podcast and taking something negatively from it or or believing something that is totally nonsense from it. I mean, it obviously something is happening with that crowd because I know someone, you know, Taco and I've had conversations with him that don't make any sense. And he says it comes straight from that podcast. So something is definitely happening. Um, But that's my point. So there's that group that says, if you believe if you hear stuff like that and you don't get that, it's just entertainment value, then I feel sorry for you. Then there's the other side that, you know, it's one more. See, I told you, you know, I heard it on the radio or I heard it on a podcast. So it's true kind of thing. So, you know, you know what I usually feel that's usually just tribalism. Anyway, we have so many voices in our head, on our screens, in our hands, when we watch or look at our phone or on our threads that we, we see so many voices and it's usually just confirmation bias. It's usually just stuff that I already believe in. So somebody else is saying it, so it must be true. And it usually all lends back to political tribalism. Back. So back to your point and, and not, not that I know what Neil Young is thinking, but I think, I think that is where he is trying to draw a line. I don't want my name part of any of that. So let's wrap up with um, our chat with uh, Jack Antonoff, who will be your Super Jam headliner doing 1984. Jack Antonoff's 1984, and he'll explain what that means uh, here on the What Podcast. idle jack i uh, i get so jealous of not being able to pull off the glasses that you pull off on a daily basis i think you look great and whoever's telling you you're not pulling it off even if it's you it's me it's my that, internal cool. struggle on a daily basis we gotta um, quiet that voice <laughs> I, uh, I'm so happy to see you again, um, mainly because, I mean, look, you're the most interesting man in music. You're very sweet to me and very mean to you. I, <laughs> that's how it's done. I, I will say, though, you know, the last time I saw you specifically, it was with fun, um, not only in the tour with in the Ryman, but also 
uh, early that year at Bonnaroo. I wonder yeah. if, like, you're standing at the Bonnaroo stage with a number one single years and years and years ago, and you said to yourself, I'm going to be my generation's Rick Rubin. I, uh, uh, it's interesting you bring up Bonnaroo and the concept of, you know, feeling excited or proud because Bonnaroo plays a crazy role in my history because my first band, Steel Train, through, like, a weird... Uh, series of events we got to play the thursday night one in the morning bonnaroo slot and this is 2004 or five okay i'm a bonnaroo historian at my core and i did not know that yes and and if you what you and as a bonnaroo historian you know that back then that slot and this was before like even there was like festival apps and you could curate your experience this was more back in the day where if you got on bonnaroo you were going to play to 15,000 people didn't matter who you were no one knew my band the day before we played in Atlanta to 10 people, the day after we played Sticky Fingers and Little Rock for five people, get up on stage in Bonnaroo. My first experience playing to a, a crowd that big, and it's significant because uh, because you can't describe it. You know, when you play to 50 people, it's a club show, 100 people, cool. A few hundred people starts to get this, like, kinetic, bigger vibe. But I can't tell you what it was like as a performer to go from the biggest shows I ever played were a few hundred people to getting up at the probably the the – what is the who, what, where, when, this, what? This, this tent or that tent at this that tent. point? It was, no, it was yeah. that tent. And there were 15,000 people there, and I fucking lost my mind. And yeah. it's still one of the most formative experiences. Did you and have then, the same feeling when, when fun? Because the, the crazy thing about the fun show, and I'll say this to anybody that listen, and I don't think it's happened since, but nobody had had a number one single at the time they played at Bonnaroo until oh, you really? guys. Yeah. I didn't know that. That yeah. was that one was a little bit less enjoyable because life was such a whirlwind then. Um, but then we had, I got to do it with Bleachers, I think, in 2016 or 17, which was one yeah. of my favorite shows. And to come back this year and, and, and do it again and then do the Super Jam, it's all... Um, yeah, like well, if you give a shit about Bonner, you know how important Super Jam is. And all these well, things. I mean, look, I, I, I do... I mean, Bonnaroo is my life. I, I used to be in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I even run a Bonnaroo podcast. We do a Perfect. podcast for Bonnaroo, yeah, on the Consequence Podcast Network. So, um, look, it's it's a daily conversation for us. Uh, Bonnaroo is in our blood, and we we live it. And we, not only we do we live the actual experience and the life that the, the lifestyle that it really means, but the nerdy part of it, right? So, what I want is, how did that band that you had first get on that bill in two thousand four? It was like some really weird thing with our distributor, which was Sanctuary at the time. It was a really random thing. I remember when we got the official offer, which we was like screaming and celebrating. Um, I did it three times with that band over the years. Once with Fun, once with Bleachers, and then 2022 will be the sixth time, wow. second time with Bleachers, and then seventh if you include Super Jam. Um, I mean, it's sort of like, it's it's sort of the the original great modern american festival that actually modeled itself after the great european festivals but right. doesn't really count because that's become a whole different thing mm-hmm. um and then all the other festivals are Blah, which is great got all their city festivals different things that's right Bonner is kind of like that last one first one and last one where people uh are just really pot committed for the weekend because yeah. <laughs> they're just they're just they're gross you know they're like not showering and stuff and i As, think it, it, it's a different vibe when someone is it living is. in a tent they're they're like a a vibe more feral than if they're in like a you know boutique hotel around the corner. That's right. And Jack, that's what we say over and over. The reason that Bonnaroo is so great and the reason why there's a real feeling there is because they're in it. The people that go are so 
in the the moment. And it almost feels, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but of all the people that we've talked to, they all say the same thing. They can feel it on stage. So then oh, yeah. the artist gives it back to them even more so because of the feeling they're getting from, from the audience. Well, it goes two ways because it's like, obviously like not sleeping in a tent anymore, but like, you know, it's not like some festival where I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm in the mud too. I'm in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Like the barrier of, en- of entry is so high. Mm. Um, and you feel this way. Like, you know, like you go play a show. It's like, cool, amazing, whatever. You go play a show in some random weird place. Like I remember we did this like really weird mountain town in, in Colorado once. And I was like, is anyone going to come to this? And the people that were there was just like this shared, shared experience. And yeah, uh, that's right. Yeah. And then also this year, man, like having it canceled two years in a row, once because of the pandemic, once because of flooding. That's right. Yeah. Which is like I know. this insult to injury. I just think it's going to be. Which none of us saw coming. And then it ended up being such a bigger event for like the Northeast than it was even for, for us in the South. I, I, let me ask you, when it comes to the Super Jam, what in the world are you putting together? When you say 1984, are you doing hits from 1984? Yeah, I was born in 1984. I figured that, yeah. It's also just one of my favorite years of music. I think it's like one of these like crazy weird years in music where like there was this insane cross-section of uh, of, of, of of things happening that were of all different genres, but all hitting the world at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the Orwell-ness of it. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we're going to play a ton of music from that time. We have uh, all these insane special guests and it'll just be... Uh, a really special one. Well, you really do sort of, um, I feel like in everything you do have a, have a thread through history, right? You know, I know that there's, there's the common Bruce Springsteen thing because of the Jersey, but I mean, you take your, your new track. I hear Paul Simon through this like crazy. Uh, you have such a, a reverence for the past. Um, I wonder where that comes from. I just like it. I mean, I think that I don't think, I don't see like art as this like, uh, you know, absurdly evolving thing where you need to uh, like access like any sort of crazy shocking ideas outside of just telling your story, which is the most shocking thing. So I don't hear if I listen to Paul Simon or Joni Mitchell or someone like that, like it doesn't sound old to me. Mm. Um, and when I hear something that came out yesterday, it doesn't sound new to me. It just sounds, it just kind of hits me or it doesn't. And That's I think that, I think it's sort of a dangerous road to go down to like, you know, I mean, I'm not like using like, I'm not going like full Jack White on it and like only using like certain equipment that's like from a different era, which I have total respect to. You know, like I use modern stuff. I'll, I'll put 808s in the song with post-string guitars. I don't care. But I just, I guess my point is I don't sit around and think, this is pastiche, this isn't. I just think if it is exciting. And if something is exciting, then I think it's modern. And I think if you get into the conversation of what is modern, like, you know, once it was trap and now it's acoustic stuff and now it's this and now guitars are back, it's just sort of like a losing game because by by the time you have time to even think about what sonics are modern, isn't it like arguably not modern anymore? So it's a little like who gives a shit. So I just, to me, I just kind of look for what's exciting. And, and all think, of a sudden, and all of a sudden, the moments passed you by, you know. Yeah, it's um, like that, uh, you know, in that Metallica documentary when they're having an argument about how guitar solos are pastiche, but then Kirk is saying, "Well, to play into what's pastiche isn't that technically pastiche." It's like you know, you kind of realize like you're at your best as a songwriter and a band leader if you're just doing the shit that feels really exciting to you at the time. And well, also, 
it's kind of inherently flawed for an artist to worry about what is or isn't modern because it's kind of on us to decide. Well, it, it leads me into another thing that I've always thought about you. I wonder where you feel most comfortable. Are you most comfortable writing for yourself? Are you most most comfortable producing? Are you most comfortable, you know, wh- where is the sound space for you? I was you... going to say in the shower, but then I realized you're asking a bigger question. <laughs> um, just because I really like to sit there and think. Uh-huh. Um, I do all my best thinking in the shower. It yeah. really is my favorite place in the world. But now that I understand the question, both there. Huh. They're different. I need both. I mean, I think there's a uh, when I'm producing records, is I'm tapped into a little bit more of like a craft space, mm-hmm. which is um, an exciting space. Uh, when I'm writing, it's a little uh, lonelier and scarier because it's uh, so vulnerable. Yeah, and I got to wrestle with with it myself, and you know, I'm not writing lyrics for anyone else, and. You know, I could write tons of music and produce things, but as soon as you start, you know, kind of writing your poems and putting them into the songs, it's just a different thing. It, mm. It's funny because the two process, the two producing records, making my own records, they're so inherently similar and different at the same time. Like my body does the same thing. Mm. I'm in the same place. I'm doing the same things, but it all feels uh, very different. I've never thought of the right analogy, but but one day I will. Well, I wonder, you know, when you are doing your own thing, of course, there's a level of vulnerability there that has to exist. When did you feel as though that you were comfortable with your vulnerability? Is there a certain age? Was there a certain song? Was there a certain moment? You're like, okay, I can manage this because it's a frightening place to be. I felt comfortable with it, um, but it took me years to feel comfortable sharing it. So it was never anything that upset me or embarrassed me or made me feel uncomfortable. It actually made me feel sort of vital and alive Mm. when I would do it. Um, But then it took me some amount of time to have enough armor to say, yeah, and I'm I'm, going to throw this out there. And and does that lend you to being a better producer because you can talk to to artists and say this is how you can get there? Or do you inherently work with artists that are already tapped into that sort of vulnerability? Well, I don't think it, I don't I don't I don't think it's a process that you ever let go of. Like I think you're always retapping into it, reminding yourself how to get there, playing to your strengths, making sure that like bad voices aren't guiding you. And I definitely think it makes me better at all my work because sure. it's a, it's about understanding. You know, I, I I'm not saying this in a critical way, but you're a songwriter, or you're not. You know, if you're someone who can put a couple chords together in a room with someone, you're honestly a songwriter. You know, I'm talking about people who sit down and write music and lyrics together about that that came from nowhere. If, if you if that's something that you do and need to do, then you can see it in other people um, and you can see the glory in it. You can see the um, anxiety in it. So uh, I have a lot of sympathy for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that uh, has always helped me relate to, you know, people I'm working with. Well, I mean, you, you tap into something I, I wasn't going to get into, but the Taylor Damon Albarn thing um you know, you're either songwriter or not. I mean, that's a really great way of putting it. His version of being a songwriter is very, very literal. <laughs> well, well, it's literally it's also wrong. You know, um, but um, I think the Damon thing, what it says to me, because obviously it's completely absurd and everyone knows that. Um, you know, you're talking about one of the greatest songwriters of our generation who has her name as the only name on many songs. <laughs> you know, like that's you know you don't need me to, to explain it it's just it's fact the problem i had with the damon thing beyond 
beyond what he actually said is I don't like it when artists who are who are the concept of being an artist to be very tapped into a deep place. I don't mind talking shit, this or that, whatever, but I don't like it when artists sort of like almost take this Trumpian approach of just making mm. things up. Like I don't care if Damon Albarn or anyone likes or doesn't like something, but to unequivocally make a statement that isn't true that you actually have no idea about and not to get too deep on it, but isn't that kind of everything that's wrong with our world at the moment is just people talking about shit that they have no clue about. Um, and but the wouldn't... president controls gas prices. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I mean, but but you know what? I expect it from politicians. I expect it from idiots and herbs and corporate assholes and whatnot. When it's I like from the, a, I like the what, term herbs. Yeah, I use it a lot. When it's yeah. from someone who's in a band and is an artist, I'm like, I don't know, man. Like, you know, it's it's such a vulnerable thing to be an artist and a songwriter. Yeah. Um, you want to, you want to go full Liam Gallagher and be like, this person sucks, that person sucks, whatever, <laughs> you know, do you, but to just sort of like launch this like weird baseless concept with this bravado that it's such fact. I mean, I tweeted this, but maybe um, before you say that you should uh, shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, I look, I, I could literally talk to you all day. I find you to be the most interesting person in music. I think the new album is terrific. I can't wait for you to come to New Orleans. Um, I don't know when the last time you were in New Orleans was, but it's boy, been a minute. I think the last time you played there was Jazz Fest before that voodoo, and we've never headlined the show there. So it's there's a lot of firsts on this tour. I'm going to wrap it up with one thing, and, and it's not to the Taylor point, but I, I do have one odd question. What is the oddest person? Because you've worked with so many people and so many weird people reach out to you. What's the oddest person to reach out to you? Um oddest person to reach out to the one that you never expected in a million years they didn't they didn't personally reach out but i got a call once about barbara streisand and i was like whoa (laughs) (laughs) so that's that's the answer there that makes my jewish grandmother very excited yeah very excited made mine very excited jack i i like you so much and i can't wait to see you in new orleans i'll see you at bonnaroo and um you know we'll travel the farm i'm happy i'm happy to talk bonnaroo with someone who understands the level of power that bonnaroo is let's let's do it again let's talk bonnaroo just talk shop again anytime man There you go. Uh, hopefully we'll have Jack Antonoff back uh, in the uh, upcoming weeks. It, they said yeah. that he would do it, so uh, I have no Excellent. doubt in the world because he's he's actually a really, really good dude. I mean, he's super he fun, cool super interesting, super smart, um, and super into this, man. He loves Botteru. Loves I Botteru. I told, uh, I told Brad Taco, Kelly watched him on Saturday Night Live a month ago or whatever. I've mm-hmm. never seen her so livid. She was so angry. Oh, He's why? just stealing from Springsteen. I can't believe it. Uh-huh. She's still, even tonight, she was like, do you not agree? <laughs> it's like, this <laughs> I mean, is, I get, I hear a lot it of was the, an homage. What? Give it a break. I hear a lot of the Bruce Springsteen thing with Jack. But the point is, is that if you're from Jersey, everybody sounds like Bruce Springsteen. That's what you I know, was, just a I, Jersey thing. You she know? was like, he's just straight up stealing. I'm like, I think it was. It was done with respect. Well, I said it in the, I said it in the chat with him. His latest song that that is getting airplay that she heard on on uh, Saturday Night Live. I'm guessing sounds more like Paul Simon to me than than Bruce Springsteen. But um, yeah, I mean, I get the I get the 
the connection, but I think everybody from Jersey gets that connection. It was, it was, it's an homage. I mean, there's no question he was doing it because it's got the horns and everything, but I just have never seen my wife. She's still mad. (laughs) (laughs) She doesn't give a shit about anything. (laughs) She's still mad. Uh, you gotta you gotta you got a curious one on your hands there barry yeah, yeah well interesting. brother brother <laughs> brother all right so what i was saying russ let you know yeah. uh wait, but that, wait a that, second but that is that is essentially a man who has given up that this is only responses brother brother yeah. <laughs> yeah. all right there you go that's what podcast we'll talk to you again next week Consequence Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, hello there. This is Brad Steiner. This is Barry Corder. And after you check out the latest episode of the What Podcast, be sure to check out some of the other great programs on the Consequence Podcast Network, including... Rootsland. It's an original story of two friends who take a musical and spiritual journey from the suburbs of Long Island to the streets of Kingston, Jamaica. Or Kyle Meredith with where you can find interviews with all of your favorite musicians and bands. Hosted by our guy, Kyle Meredith. New episodes air weekly on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Head to Consequence.net to listen to these podcasts and many great others.